Good morning. It's good to see all your bright and smiling faces. Take your Bible this morning, turn to Romans chapter 6. Now, we're in the middle of a teaching series. Actually, we launched this last week. We're studying the life of the Apostle Paul, but we're calling this deconstruction. Now, here's a couple of reasons why. One, Paul dismantled his Jewish faith to grow and go into the gospel. Make sense? When we think about deconstruction, you see it all over your Instagram reels, TikTok videos, and you hear that word over and over again from many of you, and you don't know what that is. To deconstruct something started way back in the 1960s, and this idea of taking what is written and saying that is not interpreted through the author, but interpreted through my culture and my own thoughts. And so you begin to dismantle what you believe and rebuild something else. Now, that can be a very healthy thing. Here's why. Some of the stuff we believe is nonsense, right? I mean, think about it. When you were a kid, some of you had the nightlight on, or you kept the closet door open with a light on because you thought the boogeyman was going to jump out of the out of, from underneath your bed, right? And so you had to deconstruct, dismantle that. But when we deconstruct our faith, we better be sure we go back to something that is legitimate, something that is true throughout the centuries and something that changes us so i want to challenge you as you begin to think through what you believe make sure it goes back to the gospel that's our point here the apostle paul also known as saul was a violent and vile human being who wanted christians killed and we learned last week that he turned to jesus and everything changed he had to deconstruct himself and so we're going to deal with a microcosm of his life. Now, last week, we're in Acts chapter 9. We're going to be back there for one verse this morning, and then we're going to go to Romans. So if you already turned to Romans, stay there, because here's what happened. The apostle, the apostle Paul encountered Jesus, and when he encountered Jesus, notice this in Acts chapter 9, verse 18. It says this, immediately, he was blind, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could not see again. And he could see again. <clears throat> and he got up and was what? Now, to be baptized is not unusual for a convert to Judaism who isn't born Jewish. They did this in the Old Testament. And it was like a re-entry or an entry or pathway into being Jewish. But here's what's different here. When Paul was baptized, and if you've been baptized, this is what it means. It means you were baptized into the Christ, into the gospel changes things so he now identifies as a christian the people he was trying to kill three days prior to this but here's what we're going to deal with this morning what is baptism many of you've heard it before right you've done it before and we lose sight of it many of you are struggling through it and we're going to look at why this was such a big deal for paul and why it's a big deal for you now you all have moments in your life that you remember there are significant moments that stick with you for the rest of your life right maybe if you've had a child you probably remember when that child was born if you got married hopefully you remember that uh, other things that's happened in your life maybe it was a significant tragic moment i remember just vividly seeing the challenger space shuttle blow up any y'all remember that 
for those of you who uh, remember 9-11, that's weird to say, remember 9-11, that's been 20 plus years ago, you remember that seeing on the TV, right? Or maybe it was a significant moment. Some, uh, my, one of my best friends was four years old in 1980 when the University of Georgia won the national championship. And he said, I remember sitting on my daddy's shoulders and seeing the field turn red because all the Georgia fans running onto the field. Those are significant moments. You have those moments. And for many of you, that significant, one of those significant moments is the day you were baptized. I remember mine. I was, grew up in a rural Southern Baptist church where you had to walk the aisle and talk to the preacher for anything to happen. Any of y'all have that experience? And I, got, I, I felt like I'd been talking with a pastor. I'd been talking with my parents. I'd seen a picture of my cousin being baptized, and I thought, that's for me. Sat down as my dad was literally working on a well. I know I sound hick when I say that. But he was literally working on a well. I sat down with him and said, what is this baptism thing? My dad shared with me the gospel. I got the stamp of approval from the pastor. I believed, walked forward, and eight people in my church, in this little podunk church, accepted Christ that day, and we all got baptized the following Sunday night. Because I was the youngest, I had to go first. I thought that was wrong, but I had to go first. And I remember just that moment wading into the baptistry, and it was one of those that was behind the stage. You know what I'm talking about? They open up the curtains. You walk in. The pastor's in a white robe with rubber boots up to his, you know, up to his chest. The waiters you go fishing in. And that's why I thank God for River Hills. I could stand outside of that. And so because I've had moments where holes get in those things, and it's a bad day for a pastor. But I remember that day being such a significant moment for me. Now, here's the thing. I was eight or nine years old. I didn't understand it all. Now, for some of you who were baptized young, you're probably in the same boat. In fact, later on in life, I wrestled through whether I even knew Jesus or not. Because, listen, for an eight or nine-year-old, you, you stole cookies, Right? You hit your sister when she wasn't looking and blamed it on your brother. Not a lot of bad things happen, but boy, some growing happens in the next 10 or 12 years. Agreed? And so I, I wrestled, like, did I really know Jesus at that moment, and did I need to be baptized? So what we're going to do this morning is by looking at Apostle Paul and what he wrote about baptism, which is such a significant moment for him, we're going to answer three questions. Are you all ready for this? Number one, we're going to answer this question. What is baptism? You all with me on that? Now, some of you are like, I know what that is. Well, we're really going to get into the meat and taters of it today. We're going to dig deep and help you understand what it portrays even more so. The second thing is this. Why should I be baptized? So we're going to answer that question for you. You ready for that? Now, some of you are like, I got that. I did it. I'm good. Okay, good. Then we're going to answer this question. Did my baptism count? Did, was it real? Was it legitimate? Do I need to do it again? Was it biblical? You got that? That's where we're going this morning. Now, some of you can answer every one of those questions perfectly. But here's what I want you to do. If you can answer them perfectly, and hopefully I fill in some commentary for you this morning, you now get to teach other people. Isn't that cool? That's your job as a believer. But notice what happens here. Get this. Romans chapter 6. Now, I want you to keep in mind... His conversion experience, immediately he got baptized, and I want you to notice what he writes about baptism here. In Romans chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 3, and we're just going to deal with a couple of verses here. Notice what happens. He says, Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were also baptized into his death? 
Okay, this is a huge deal for a Jewish person. You're being baptized or you're being converted into being Jewish. What he's saying is you're baptized into Jesus now, which is different. We're going to talk about what that means. And he goes on to say, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too may live a new life. In verse 5, For if we had been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united him with a resurrection like this. Now, that's a lot of meat on the bone right there. And our, our objective is to kind of shave it off and understand what it means. So let's answer the question, what is baptism? And we're going to deal with it from the perspective of Paul in the, in the letters he wrote in the New Testament. <clears throat> so let's deal with this. Let's start with what baptism is not. This is important for you. Now, growing up in the South, growing up in the culture you grew up in, for many of you, baptism is just something you did, right? You got to a certain age, you ate some stale cookies at, at, uh, at vacation Bible school, you walked an aisle, and you got baptized because your brother or sister or best friend did it. So let's deal with this first. First and foremost, baptism is not a rite of passage. Do you hear that? It's not, you get a certain age or have a certain moment and say, I need to be baptized. My best buddy did it. I went to camp. <clears throat> I was confirmed. All that stuff. It's not that. It's not a rite of passage. Now, in Aboriginal culture in Australia, when a child, a boy gets to be between 10 and 16, they kick him out of the tribe, and for six months, he has to live on his own. He comes back, and because he survived, he now takes on the responsibilities and rights of an adult. That's a rite of passage. Baptism is an identity of a new life. You've dismantled who you are and be, been rebuilt in Christ. You see the difference there. So if you're like, I got kids and I really want them to be baptized because that's what you do, listen to me. You want your kids to know Jesus, first and foremost. Because there are so many people sitting in our churches and walking around the street who were baptized and never knew Christ. I'm going to say that and I'm gonna, I don't want to say I'm an expert, but I've been doing this for like 25 to 30 years now. And I'll be real with you guys. There are countless people I know who've been baptized that don't know Jesus. It's not a spontaneous thing that you do. Something that is thoughtful, that you walk through and understand it. Now, are you going to understand all of it? No, we're going to do that in just a moment. But understand, first and foremost, it's not a rite of passage. Number two, baptism doesn't save you. Now hear me on that. Because some people ask, tell me about your faith story, and they start with, well, I was baptized, or I was confirmed. Listen to me. I tell people this all the time. If you didn't know Christ when you were baptized, you had a very weird bath. That's it. It doesn't save you. Now there are cults out there that say they're Christian, that say you have to be baptized, and until you're baptized, you're not going to heaven regardless of whether you believe in Jesus or not. That's a cult. And there are other false teachings out there that says every time you experience a life change or a moment of repentance or a defining moment, you need to get baptized again. That's wrong. Baptism is a one-time thing that's post-conversion. Make sense? Doesn't save you. It symbolizes something, but it doesn't save you. The third thing is this. And I'm going to step on some toes here. Baptism is not an individual thing. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you, a bunch of y'all, go get baptized together at the same time. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, right now, 
in North Georgia, there's a borderline cult that's baptizing people over and over again because they believe that in those waters there's healing power. And that's wrong. I'm going to be very clear about that. Baptism is a special moment that represents what the grace of God has done in your life. But hear me on this. Baptism is not an individual thing. And here's where I want to get to. Because many, many times, so many of us, we're very, we're, we're very self-conscious, right? And the last thing you want to do is stand up in front of people and get baptized. Some of y'all are like, yep, that's me, that's me. And what we tell people is we'll put the spotlight on, and as soon as you go in or come out, we'll take the spotlight out. But here's why you do it in front of people. Baptism represents what happens to you in being brought into the body of Christ. You wouldn't celebrate a birthday party for a one-year-old with just a one-year-old. You want the whole family there. You want everybody there, right? And so we get to celebrate because you're now identifying as part of the family. It's for the whole body to see. Let me illustrate it a little further here. Because another thing that baptism is not, and I'm really going to step on toes here, the mode in which you baptize matters. When we look at it scripturally, Baptism means you go all the way under and all the way out. Now, there's a lot of you in here who have gone a different route. I grew up half Methodist and half Baptist, which meant I was confused. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Any of y'all relate to that reality? <laughs> and I know many of you may have grew up Catholic or Episcopalian or Lutheran, or maybe you were sprinkled, or maybe you were confirmed as a baby and you were baptized then. Here's what I want you to understand why baptism by immersion is so important. Two reasons. One, Baptism is from the Greek word baptismo, which means to immerse. And when we talk about baptism in two sections in Acts, the, 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 the passage of Acts, it says you're to be baptized personally, but you're also baptized in the Spirit. You ever heard that before? You ever heard that before? That's a one-time thing that happens to you, and it's permanent. And it means you are enveloped into the body of Christ. So let me illustrate it this way. This is Jesus. I know it's not an accurate depiction. This is Jesus. This is the body of Christ. This is the church. When you're baptized in the Spirit, and this is you, here's what happens. You become one with the body of Christ and with Jesus. See how that works? And when you're baptized by immersion, you're representing, hey, look what happened to me. I'm in Him. Make sense? So when you're baptized, understand there's a lot of different significant things. Now, I hope our band does not trip over that. If you do, my bad. So, all that's being said and done, let's answer the question, what is baptism? Those are everything that it's not. Y'all with me on that? And so hopefully I may clear some, up, some things up with you. Now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here. <coughs> First and foremost, let's go back to our text and let's deal with verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 3. Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, Christ went into the tomb dead, right? Everybody would agree on that. And when you're baptized into Christ, you're symbolizing that you died in Christ. And so what it does is when you go under the water, it portrays, and this is what I first I want you to get here. This is what baptism is. It portrays that you have been released from captivity. That's the end of it. Now, I want you to think through this for a moment. Have you ever tried to sweep something out of the rug or bury something so deep you don't ever have to hear from it again? Everybody said, you have, right? You've deleted emails out of your inbox. You've thrown things into the fire. 
You've tried to get rid of it. But here's what's beautiful about baptism and the gospel itself is that, and this is what the Apostle Paul had to understand coming from Judaism to Christianity, is that you are set free from everything that just tears at you and condemns you to hell. That's gone. And that's through the death of Christ. He takes the punishment you deserve. You've been set free from these things that hold you captive. Now, here's the problem with us, is that we tend to go back to our same old habits. Agreed? But they don't have power over you. Notice what Paul writes in, 1 Corinthians, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Let's throw that up there. He says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all, notice the next part, our sins. And then through that, having canceled, in verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, meaning all the things that we've done wrong that we need to pay for, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, and I love this last part, nailing it to the cross. Done. When you know Jesus, what holds you captive, those habits that you still have, those things that you condemn yourself for are gone in far as, it, as far as holding you back or holding you captive. They're gone. And baptism represents they're gone. They have no power over you anymore. Isn't that good? And so when you say, I know Jesus, and you get baptized, you're telling the whole world, hey, I'm free. Then it goes on a little more. This is number two. Baptism portrays the beginning of a new sphere of life for you. Baptism portrays the beginning of a new sphere of life for you. Go a little further here in chapter 6. Go to what it says, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. And that whole phrase, new life, means a sphere of life. Things are different for you now. You've been brought from death to life. So when you baptize someone or someone's baptized, you you're go under the water, and that metaphorically shows that you are cleansed from your sin. It's not, you're not captive to it anymore, but you come out of the water, which represents just as Jesus rose from the dead, so will you. Death does not control you. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 53. Notice what it says here. For the perishable, perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Meaning, we have to change here. Something has to change. Because right now we're mortal and we want to be immoral, right? We want to live forever. Christ provides that. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, mortal, and immortality, then this saying that is written, notice what happens, is will come true. Death has been swallowed up in what? Victory. Now here's the good news. Is that baptism is portraying that death does not have a hold on you anymore. Because when you come out of those waters, you're representing I'm alive in Christ. I've been brought to life. No, remember what we said in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. New life. A new sphere of life. Verse 55 says this in 1 Corinthians there. Oh, death. Where, is, where, oh, death is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is law. But, thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, in Christ, you live. You live. <coughs> so, baptism represents... <coughs> pardon me. I have... <coughs> 
I'm still overcoming the effects of COVID. Any of y'all been there? It portrays the beginning of a new sphere of life. Number three, it portrays his hold on you. Now, this is beautiful. It portrays that he's got you, not the other way around. We sometimes see our faith as how hard or how tough or how strong we are and how, how hard we cling to him. And that's important. You do need to cling to him. But there are times in my journey where I have not and do not. You? And the beauty of baptism represents this is not what you've done. It's what he's doing and has done. Get a little further here. Verse 5. For we have been united with him in a death like his. You've died. We will certainly also be united with him with the resurrection of his life, meaning you live. The old is gone, and the new is what? It's come. And baptism represents he has his hold on you, not the other way around. Now, let me, let me help you understand this a little further because this can be a bit complicated. And guys, I want to tell you, some of you are in this room. I have, I've had so many conversations in the last five days about baptism. And these are with adults who are trying to figure out, hey, do I need to be rebaptized? Or and, and look, I can look across this room, and there are countless of us. I had to have these conversations. So here's my best way to explain it. You ready? You ever seen the movie Twister? Remember that movie? Years ago, I think it was in like, night, I don't want to say 19-something because I'm really old at this point. What was it? 1999, 98, 2001, 2000. 96 is when it was because I met my wife that year. So... The movie Twister at the very end of the movie, I'm going to ruin it for you, but you've had 30 years, so here we go. <laughs> at the very end of the movie, the main character is being chased by a tornado, all right? You got this, Ryan? Being chased by a tornado. Here we go. He's run, they're running from a tornado. I want to give you a clue. You cannot run a tornado. So they go into this old, old well house. Now, some of you who grew up on a farm know exactly what I'm talking about. If you had a well, you had a well pump. And you never wanted to freeze up, so you built a house, a little shack over it, and you stored all the stuff you didn't want to have in your house there. So they ran into this pump house or this well house. They go inside and they look around and they see two leather straps and they tie the leather straps to the pipes that go about 100 feet down into the ground. Because there's no way a twister is going to pull a pipe up out of the ground that's 100 feet down, correct? And so they tie themselves onto it. The twister comes. It takes away the shack, everything in the shack, and they're holding onto the pipes, and all of a sudden they let go, and they're just being held on by the leather straps to the pipe. That is your relationship with Jesus. He has a hold on you when everything else is spinning around in your life, and you have forgotten what it means to be faithful when you're in the midst of your sin, when you haven't repented, when you're having a difficult time, and you feel like everything is worthless. He's got you not the other way around. You follow that? And so baptism represents, hey, he's got a hold on me, not the other way around. And you're saying that when you say, I get baptized. But Jesus has got me. Four, here we go. It portrays the why and the what of our lives. What do we mean by that? Let's go back to verse four. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, and I want you to get this little phrase here. Do not skip this. Notice what happens here. Go to verse 4. It says, just as Jesus was raised from the dead, and it says, through the glory of the Father. That's the last part of verse 4. Through the glory of the Father. 
Glory means what, who God is, what he radiates, what he does. He is glorified. He's made much of. And so when he raised Christ for the, from the dead, I want to break the news to you. Christ did not come primarily to save you. That might be a little radical. He came to glorify God by saving you. Does that make sense? He makes much of God, his Father, by loving you which is far more beautiful. And so when he, he is raised from the dead, he, when he dies and is raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, you get the portrayal in baptism of the why and the what of our lives. And that means to live for him. Now the Apostle Paul got that. In Acts chapter 9, verse 18, we saw he was baptized. Now I want to skip over a few chapters in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 14, Paul is preaching the gospel. And you got to remember, he was once a Pharisee who was all about rules and regulation and Jewish nationalism. Now he's a preacher who's all about the gospel and all about freedom. He's been, he's been baptized and he's showing the whole world, I'm a Christian. This is who I am. My family has changed. My status has changed. My identity has changed. My hope has changed. It's not about all my performance. It's about all my Jesus. And so he's proclaiming this gospel and people didn't like it because he's dismantling everything he, they believe. They're used to going to temple. They're used to going to the cult and worshiping. They're used to doing these certain sacrifices and these different, different rituals. And he's saying, no, it's only Jesus. People get angry. And in Acts chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Then some of the Jews came to Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and drug him, in, drug him outside the city, thinking he was dead. He wasn't dead. But here's what I want you to understand here. What causes someone to risk their life for something that has no hope, that has no purpose? Lunacy, right? Paul, in that act of baptism, identified himself as a person who glorifies the Father through the person of Jesus Christ, and now he shares with the whole world. His purpose changed, his life changed. Everything changed about him. So, this Pharisee becomes a proclaimer. And when you get baptized to the glory of God, you're saying, my life counts now. My life is identified in something other than whether I'm successful or not. So, that's what is baptism. And I promise you in the next 10 minutes, I want to finish the rest. Why should you be baptized? Let me give you four things here. There won't be, number one, this is the most elementary one. Are y'all ready for this? Because Jesus said so. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? He said to get baptized. In Matthew chapter 28, this is one example, right before uh, uh, 40 days or so before he ascends into heaven. He gives a great commission, and he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven is given unto me. And he goes, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. What does he say? Baptizing them. Now, he's referring to the baptism into Christ as a Christian, like he was baptized. Jesus said so. Number two, and these number two and three are going to kind of come together. But I want you to think through this. Baptism helps you remember the grace you received 
and you can point and say, that's when. So when you, if, when you get baptized or if you've been baptized, it's always important to write that date in your Bible or somewhere significant. So you can go back to it and say, that's the day. Now, listen, you've heard these people say this, and I've said this. You should be able to put a place in your life, a stake in the ground to where you accepted Christ. You ever heard that before? And be able, from that moment on, my life has changed. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't remember when I, the day I accepted Christ. I don't. It's a long time ago, number one. I'm getting old. I don't remember as much as I used to. But my relationship with the Lord, like many of you, has been a process of growth, right? Where it's more and more I experience and know Jesus. But what baptism does is you look back at your life and say, you know what? I don't remember when, but I remember when I identified and showed everybody that I was. That's the grace of God working through you. Now, on top of that, and this is the second thing, is that you're going to be attacked spiritually. The evil one comes to you and whispers in your brain, hey, you don't know Jesus. You ever had that happen? You ever doubt your salvation? Everybody say, yes, you do, I do. But you go back to that moment of baptism and you conduct the spiritual warfare to say, no, no, I told the world that I know Jesus. That was a huge step. That was a significant moment. And you conduct that spiritual warfare saying, say, no, Jesus has a hold on me, not the other way around. And here's the fourth thing of why you should. You use it to share that you know Christ. That's why you do it in front of people and you invite everybody you know because you're proclaiming to the world, I know Christ. You use it to share your faith. One of the first acts of expressing your relationship with Jesus is through your baptism. Do you know that? So, why? Jesus said so. To remember God's grace, to fight off the evil one, to point to that moment, and also to share your faith. So let's deal with this last question here. Should you be baptized? Okay, you ready for that one? Should you be baptized? Now, some of you are like, no, I'm good, and I hope so. Others of you are struggling with that. You struggle with it for a long time. You've gone through our Experience River Hills luncheon. You've talked to people. You heard me talk. Should you be baptized? And I want to give you four questions to ask yourself to assess if this is you. Are you ready for that? And this is something that you can use to help with other people. You know, if you have a child and you want to help them understand if I should be baptized or not. Let me help give you these four questions. Question number one is this. It's really simple. If you have been baptized in the past, was it before or after you accepted Christ? Make sense? Was it before or after you accepted Christ? If it was before you accepted Christ, then the answer is absolutely yes. So if you were baptized as an infant, that's a beautiful thing. But basically that was for your parents to say, we're going to raise this child up to show them Jesus one day. We're setting them apart. But if we go through it biblically and say, you know what, I want to profess my relationship with Christ because I know Christ now and I've made that decision on my own, yes, you need to be baptized, 100%. So you got to assess, did you, were you baptized before or after you came to know Jesus? Second question, did you practice the right mode of baptism? Did you do it scripturally? Now, we've walked through what that looks like, and I know in our church we have a beautiful assortment of different people from different backgrounds, right? And I love that. Sarah Beth and I uh, just kind of had a whole date day this past Friday. And when I say date day, we drove to Hartwell to watch our daughter play tennis. So we just left early. And one of the things we were talking about is how beautifully multicultural our church is. I mean, even on our staff team, it is great. 
And I know even with our church, we have people from different backgrounds. Some of you grew up Pentecostal. Some of you grew up Catholic. Some of you grew up Lutheran. Some of you grew up Baptist. Some of you grew up nothing, whatever. But you got to practice the right mode. And that's your conviction to discover in Scripture. But I would encourage you to think through, did I do it biblically? It doesn't mean you're cursed if you didn't. I want you to know that. It doesn't mean God's blessing is removed from you. But when you say, hey, these things happened to me, it's best symbolized through immersion. So that's the second question. Number three, if you've been baptized and you're struggling, to, did you believe in Jesus when you were baptized? Any of y'all struggle with that? Yeah. Well, there's no easy answer. Some of you, you're just going to have to pray through it and think through it and say, when did I really know Jesus? But here's one thing to help you think through it. Have you kept coming back to the Lord since that baptism? Does that make sense? Have you kept coming back to Jesus since that baptism? Because when I was baptized as a child, like some of you, I didn't understand all this. And even as adults, we're not taught all this all the time. And I want you to understand, just because they have a simple faith doesn't mean you don't have a great God who's holding on to you. You know, confessing and saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I believe in you. I repent, and I want you to come into my life is enough. You don't have to understand all the intricacies because, like we said before, you're not the one holding on. It's the Lord holding on to you. Have you continued to come back to the Lord? Was there a definite moment where, you know what, I really believe this? Then, yeah, you would need to get baptized if it was after your first baptism. Here's the fourth one. If you're here today and you need to get baptized and you know it, what do you do? Because some of you are like, well, do I need to make an appointment? Do I need to send a message on Instagram? <laughs> what do we do? Well, I'm going to give you a very simple step. The worship folder you're given, there's a connect card. And on that connect card, there's a box that says, I want to be baptized. Nobody's going to be looking at you. Nobody's going to know you even turned it in except for me. And if you need to be baptized or walk through the process of answering some questions, I want to help you do that. Sound good? Because what's so amazing about the life of the Apostle Paul is he had to dismantle all the stuff that wasn't true and be built upon the gospel. And more than anything, I want you, I want me, I want our church to be built upon the gospel. To understand truth versus what's not true. When you're in that safe environment, and you're getting baptized because everybody's doing it, it's an easy thing to do, right? It's like some of you have gone to concerts. I know I have. And you're like, I'll never do that. But then everybody's doing it at the concert, and then guess what you do? You do that at the concert. Some of you are like, I'll never crowd surf. But then you do it. <laughs> because that's what everybody's doing, right? And the same thing happens in church sometimes. Everybody's getting baptized. And we've been blessed. We've seen a lot of people come to know Christ lately and, and getting baptized. And we want to keep that going. I want you to know we talk to people and interview them and make sure they understand it. But here's the deal. It's easy to do it in a safe place. But when it's not safe, it's not so easy. In Vietnam, before the collapse of its country, missionaries were there sharing the gospel. And people would come to know Christ. And so the next step, they say, well, let's get baptized to show the world you know Jesus. And the people who really believed, and this was serious for them, said, okay, I'll be there. 
We'll meet at the river at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Let's just say that time. The person who's coming from a background who absolutely was not Christian would show up with their suitcase. Why? Because once they identified as a Christian, they can't go home. Now, we have it different here. But the message is still the same. Things have changed. And when you choose to be baptized, you're saying, I'm different now. God has changed me, and I want the whole world to know. So this morning, if you're here and you need to take that step of baptism, on that Connect card, there's a couple boxes. If you're engaging us online or if you're here, you can also text in the phrase, I need Jesus, to the number on the screen, and we'll walk you through that. But I want you to take these steps in order to not just say, hey, we, got to, we get to write your name and put it on the board, or we get to take a picture of you that says, I'm transformed. It's, that's, that, look, that's just, that's just cool stuff we get to celebrate as a church. I'm talking about for you, personally. You say, now I am in Christ, and I want the world to know it. And if that's you this morning, take that step and help us, let, allow us to help you walk through it.